So, we are here again. Another Sunday here in WILK at the Beer Geeks. Uh, this week, we're changing things up a little bit and diving into some homebrewing. Uh, something we've we've discussed, I guess, in a roundabout way for a while, but not really dove headfirst into it. Really? Isn't it illegal to make your own beer? Not anymore. Oh, no. Wait, yeah. No, wait, no. Actually, as of, uh, was it this year or last year, they finally passed the 50th state. Was it last year? A couple years ago. Yeah. No, it was it was somewhat recent. That was it was I think it was last year they finally passed the last state allowed it. Now it's totally legal everywhere. It was some down south, you know how they are. Yeah. Yeah. I don't wanna I don't wanna judge. <laughs> but no, uh, I, I wanna judge everything, but I'm just don't well, know, you know what that. to judge. If you wanna see Matt judging, just go on massive beer reviews yeah, and whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, this week we're really diving into a lot of home brewing and we have one of the brewmasters from Northern Brewer, one of the largest uh, homebrew supply companies, and we talking to us and really going through how they recipe, you know, make all those the formulation, the recipes, the kind of reverse engineering that goes on, going through some of the ingredients and all that fun stuff. But before we get too far ahead of ourselves, uh, We'll get into some beer news. Now, this is something that we seem to cover every week in another way. Uh, another brewery. There was another buyout this week. Golden Road Brewing from Los Angeles was purchased by AB InBev. Uh, now, that's another one that if you read the, the response from the brewery owner, it, it kind of seemed like that's what the intent was. They, they, they built this up as a business. It was a total business decision on their part and the acquisition and working it all around. It really just goes to show again, this is business. Young couple, too, man. I think they're just barely in their 30s, right? It's yeah. a guy and a girl. Yeah. Um, you know, someone comes backs up to your brewery and you're 30 and is a hey there's a truck full of cash yeah um can we have your good beer you know it's well, yeah, hard to and, say no. and if your business is a, is a your background is business and that's what got you into everything that's really what you're thinking like you're building up a business for that intent and you know what you can fault them if you want but that if that's what they're saying at the end of the day they're being honest they're not hiding anything they're not saying like well you know we try it was just no that's what they wanted to do they went at it they saw how the other acquisitions went with the other breweries that were purchased they didn't run them into the ground, so they felt comfortable making that decision. They did put out like an intro video where it was her talking to yeah. the guy, and that was a little bit creepy. Uh, it was a little uh, overly PR-ish, I yeah. guess we can say, if you want yeah. to take a look at that. I mean, uh, it just kind of kind of reads a little bit yeah. dry like that, that it's just uh, like, oh, and what would you like to say right now? Yeah. Well, and... <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so I'm sure that's not going to be the last one for the year that we're talking about. It really, it is kind of getting to be every week. There's some new one we're discussing that that's happening with, and it's uh, not ending anytime soon. But growing breweries, uh, Oscar Blues announced this week they're going to be building a third brewery in Austin, Texas. Uh, it's going to be 50,000 square feet, and it'll be done next year. Wow. Yeah, they are just going to town because they have now Colorado, North Carolina, and they're hitting up Austin. Didn't they just literally wipe like the dust from construction yeah. off of the one in North they, Carolina? They're about two years into the one in North Carolina, and uh, yeah, that's fully up and running now. I mean, it took a while to get it fully up and running, and now they're already moving on to another one. And it's not nearly as big. I mean, that one was, I can't remember what when you, we talked to them how big it would mean. I, over 100,000 square feet, and that was a huge one. And this one's only 50,000, but it's going to have more of a tap room focus. They're going to start having live events there, which is great. You know, if you're going to do music stuff, Austin's where you want to be. It's Hey, we all know, don't mess with Texas. So Yeah, but Austin's Austin's not Texas. I will say that. I spent enough you time there. You know how many there. people it's from so... Austin want to kill you right now? No, they love it. They don't <laughs> want to be Texas. Oh, you no? Go, oh, no, you go to Austin. They are proud to not be a uh, typical Texan. Really? Oh, yeah. Either there's uh, Keep Austin Weird is their slogan. They are very enjoying the not... You go there, there's not a lot of people with Southern accents. They kind of pride themselves on being this weird... It's almost like how uh, you go up to, like, Montreal in Canada, and it's like, no, we're French. It's kind of like that. Like, no, we're, we're... not Texas. <laughs> so, uh, and then finally, Hop Slam this year, they, they announced that they're only going to be putting it in cans and on draft. They're not bottling it this year, kind of due to some expansions and things going on at Bell's uh, that's going to be only can, which would be interesting because they, they just couldn't get the bottling line because they're so jammed up. So they fed, said, oh, we'll just throw it in the cans. It sounds, it's a natural progression. Oh, it yeah. almost seems like that's what should happen. Yeah. But at the same time, just come out and say, hey, it's cheaper and easier, so we're going to put it in cans. <laughs> don't lie. Well, you know. <laughs> or don't fib. I don't know. Anyway, oh, a liar. Uh, <laughs> and let's get into some new beers. Now, Stone is re-releasing some beers this year, uh, kind of as a celebration. And the first one just came out. It's their 08 Vertical Ale uh, that they're going to be going through. If you remember that one, it was from 0888. And uh, it's a good one to age. You can actually kind of hang on to that one. But they're just starting to re-release that. And they have a few more that they're going to be coming out with. Uh, Dogfish Head has their Pennsylvania Tuxedo coming out uh, as an homage to our wonderful state. It's a collab with Woolwich. And it's a pale ale with spruce tips. 
Yeah. And oh. just so you know, the Pennsylvania tuxedo, as they portray it, is just basically you're wearing a weird hat and, uh, what is it, flannel overalls? Just like George. Just like George. Oh, just like George. <laughs> basically, if you can see George right now, that is the Pennsylvania tuxedo. And, and uh, I mentioned this before, but now it's finally starting to come out. Uh, Guinness has their Nitro IPA coming out the cans. See how that one does. That's when I remember it was going to be in uh, 11.2 ounce cans for some bizarre reason. <laughs> And they're making it in um, overseas, right? It's not like something that's yeah, they're, they're, they're going to be putting. And I'm sure eventually it'll, yeah. if it does well, they'll probably it'll be cheaper to, to do that. But so that one's going to be coming out. You're going to be hitting the shelves in the next few weeks. So if you've been waiting to see how that's going to turn out, you'll find out soon. And uh, speaking of seeing how it's turning out, we have cracked open our first homebrew. This oh, one yeah. is from Matt. Well, mostly for my buddy George or George. What George. I George. No. George is getting my buddy Joe. There. He's going to brewery school up in Canada at Niagara College, and he, me, and him whipped this up. We did like a like a live Google Hangout brew day, and we brewed this up. Uh, it's just an IPA, a little bit darker than what you typically expect for an uh, imperial IPA. I guess you mm-hmm. say ten pounds of uh, pale malt, um, two pounds caramel. Bit of hops, mosaic, and matuka. Oh, hops that's right. From, yeah, yeah, the, the ones. Uh, yeah, it was weird. Uh, first, we did like um, uh, an ounce at the end of the boil, and then we dry hopped it with it. And the first pack of motuka was very oniony. Uh, oniony, oh. and I know you love that, but it didn't really come. Through no, it too doesn't much come through the, too much. No, in the mouth, and it was a fun day, fun beer to brew. No, it's always. I mean, it's great. Like if you're first getting into home brewing, IPAs are a really solid choice because you can kind of get to play with. Everything kind of get understanding, and they're they're relatively easy. I mean, it really is like if you find yourself a recipe, it's just like making soup, yep. and just kind of following those steps and seeing when you throw things in and all that stuff, and you kind of get to play with those aromatics. Like you know, it's good to, if you're going to start out doing that, do a single hop, then you really know what that's bringing to the table, and then kind of play with it a little bit more. But it's also nice; it's a good place to experiment with a lot of things too, especially the hops because there's constantly, constantly new 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 ones coming out. Yeah. New, um, new Zealand hops is typically, you're talking about your juiciness, your yeah. new school juiciness, and your nice uh, fruitiness, so that's up my yeah. alley. No, that's definitely where we, we've talked about it. Was it just last week we were talking about that? The New Zealand? Like, people going towards so. Yeah, because it was when we were talking about the anchor and all that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's like kind of an area that you're seeing a lot of new hops coming out of that region, Australia, New Zealand, and people really tinkering with a lot of stuff and crossbreeding a lot of them. But it's a fun area, man. And it's great, like, just experimenting on IPA. And it's nice. It, it is definitely a little thicker. It's sweeter. It's got, like, that, that caramel coming through. Just like me. Aw. Sweeter and thicker? <laughs> Sweet and thick, baby. <laughs> I'm sure I will find someone to dispute that. No, <laughs> well, everybody maybe? But, yeah. Yeah, I dug it. I like the way it came out. I mean, it's not traditional style. It's, you know, a bit darker with that caramel malt. But it's it's definitely something me and Joe like, so. Yeah, no, it's a, I mean, like, that's, nice, like, that's a great style to, to kind of first get into. So I want to start out with this. We're going to get into some other, and we're going to be beefing it up right away, too, as soon as we get to our interview. We got a packed house today, too, don't we? Yeah. We have a lot of people in the studio. This is the most, uh, most of it. I feel like we're in a clown car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And we even got uh, our good friend Ed came down. Another Ed. Yeah, there's so many Eds. <laughs> yeah. So let's yeah. introduce everybody. Oh, we'll get into that one? We'll yep. get into that as we go, because okay. we, we have on uh, on hold right now, so we're going to go to a oh. break, and we're going to come back with our interview. Uh, but we're going to be joined when we come back, the brewmaster from Northern Brewer, James Jefferson. And also, you're going to want to stay tuned, because after the interview, uh, we're going to have a $50 gift certificate to give away from Northern Brewer. So if you are starting to get into this and want to get a couple things, or even want to get a kit, you're going to want to listen and get that one. You can get some really cool stuff for 50 bucks. That's a good deal. So stay tuned here on WLK at the Beer Geeks. We'll be right back. Believe it or not, winter is right around the corner. So come check out the jackets, sweaters, and long sleeve shirts available at one of the Salvation Army's seven local thrift stores. Some clothes still have the tags on. So call 1-800-SA-TRUCK or visit satruck.org to schedule a pickup. Or better yet, bring your slightly used donations, get a tax receipt, then check out the great fall bargains. The Salvation Army, serving the most people, meeting the most needs, doing the most good, right here in NEPA. For most companies, internet speeds are a game of chance. Like the phone company offering up to internet speeds. Chances are, up to means that speed is not available depending on your location. With Comcast Business, your business's internet connection speed isn't left to chance. That's because the speeds we offer are available across our entire network. No games, no chance. Game over. So call 866-704-8952 and get 25 megabit internet for $69.95 a month. 
Not up to the speed you pay for, all the speed you pay for. Comcast Business, built for business. Offer ends September 30th, 2015. Restrictions apply. New business customers only. Two-year contract required. Early termination fees apply. Equipment taxes and fees extra and subject to change. Require subscription to business voice and TV services. Call for details. Your wedding day. The most important and exciting day of your life. You want it to be perfect. The flowers, the music, the limo, the tuxes, the bridesmaids' dresses, your gown. It can be kind of overwhelming, but no need to panic. Just relax and head to the Northeast PA Bridal Show Sunday, October 18th from noon till 4 at Gennetti Hotel in Wilkesbury. There will be over 30 vendors at your service with everything you need for your wedding. At 2.30, you'll enjoy a fashion show featuring the latest and bridal entertainment, gowns, and menswear. Plus, there will be door prizes and a cash prize of $1,000 given out during the fashion show. No purchase necessary. So enjoy a relaxing afternoon while planning your wedding at the Northeast PA Bridal Show, Sunday, October 18th, from noon to 4 at Gennetti Hotel in Wilkesbury. Presented by Savvy Formal Wear by Sarno and Son in the Bridal Chateau. Sponsored by Frankie Carl Productions, John Mackey Design, and Theory Salon and Wellness. Brides can register free at nepabridalshow.com. All right, we are back. The Beer Geeks here in WILK. And joining us on the phone right now, we have uh, a homebrew master, Mr. James Jefferson from Northern Brewer. James, how are you today, sir? Hey, I'm good. Thanks for having me. Hey, absolutely not a problem, man. Thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it. We're, really, sure. we're diving into a lot of homebrew and getting through a lot of stuff. This is our first kind of homebrew-focused show. Usually we're talking to breweries and stuff, so it's a good time to kind of break it down a little bit more. So nice. how long have you been at Northern Brewer? Um, about two and a half years now. Okay. So now when when did you first get into home brewing? Um, you know, it was probably about five years now ago. I was uh, finishing up college, and I realized that, hey, I could brew my own beer, and I could make world-class beer, and it was affordable and cheap and um, was a great outlet for my creativity. So what was it that got you into it in the first place? Was it a beer that you had, or did you have someone else's home brew? Um, yeah, well, a friend of mine came up to me one day, we were hanging out, I was like, hey, I just, uh, we, I just, uh, brewed my first batch of beer with a friend, and kind of sparked my interest, you know, growing up, I had no idea, um, it was that easy to just make your own beer, it seemed something so alien, so foreign, um, but it's really easy. Hey, we said it before, it's basically like making soup, but, uh, a little tastier. <laughs> yeah, I think the most common, uh, metaphor is making macaroni and cheese, you just <laughs> boil up water and add some ingredients, um, and the yeast does the rest. Very, very true. So when, yeah. you, when you first started getting going, what were kind of some of your initial challenges that you faced when you are first getting into home brewing? Well, I mean, at first it's kind of daunting. There's a lot of literature out there, and not a lot of it is uh, cohesive and fits together because mm-hmm. the whole community has been blossoming over the past 30 years, and it's just now that we're getting into kind of a golden age where all this great information is available to home brewers. You know, you look at all the books coming out, the Brewmasters series, um, just definitive sources on water, malt, hops. Um, so it's really, um, <clears throat> to get back to your question, <laughs> the most daunting thing was, you know, getting um, all the ingredients and getting uh, a feel for what you're doing. And that's where, you know, a great company like Northern Brewer comes in where we have all these recipe kits, all these great instructions that are designed to produce great beer every time. Um, Northern Brewer actually guarantees them for that um, with a beer kit replacement guarantee. If you don't love your beer, we'll replace it anytime. No questions asked. Well, that's a good one to have. And it's also great to me, yeah. just from having brewed from some of your kits, like it, it really does read just like a nice recipe. Like you're just kind of, like I said, making soup or macaroni and cheese or you want to throw. Uh, but it just kind of reads sure. just that way of just super easy to do, which is a really good thing. I mean, that is kind of daunting at first. I remember when I first got into it, you're thinking, you know, it's got to taste like whatever the commercial variation is. And if you're not close, sure. then you really messed it up, a lot of people think. Oh, yeah, that's definitely true, you know, and it's hard to produce that beer exactly. Um which, you know, kind of gets into the, I think we're going to talk about the Pliny and Legacy today, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's like for that beer in particular, um, <clears throat> uh, the recipe is available, you know, in a 2009 Zimmergy article, the head brewer, um, his initial recipe for and so it makes it really easy to, you know, look at what goes into the beer, but actually translating that into the finished product. There's so many more variables that go into it. Um, you know, you can have the recipe, you can have exactly what goes into it, but there's so many intangibles, you know, the size of the fermenter, the, the health of the yeast, 
um, that really will make the difference. Um, but we do our best to get it as close as possible. Yes, as you're doing these, that's the one thing that's interesting, too, because you're doing some kind of homebrew variations on some popular commercial brews. So you're basically reverse right. engineering a lot of these beers to kind of take it back. What's kind of the first step for you if you're just kind of picking it apart and you don't have that recipe in front of you already? Well, the first part definitely comes back to getting the beer, pouring it out into the proper glassware, and really, you know, um, taking a look at all the properties that go into it, the body, the mouthfeel, as well as flavor and aroma. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, the first thing, even if you have the recipe, is to try the beer, because you have to know how mm -hmm. those ingredients translate into a finished product. Um, so that's definitely the first step from there. Um, you just do the research, um, think about different ingredients that can go into it. If you don't have the recipe, you can kind of pick and choose. And then you just got to get to brewing, try it out, see how it turns out. Um, and that's what goes into all of our kits. We brew all the recipes, you know, a number of times, making small tweaks until we're confident that it's uh, um, easy to make um, and we'll give you the, the desired results. What's kind of like, you're making these kits and you're putting them on a larger scale. Like, what's kind of one of the most common issues you hear back from homebrewers when they're trying to recreate these? Because you guys have done this numerous times yourself, you know, in kind of a, an enclosed environment. Now you're sending it out to, I don't know, Jimmy out in Wisconsin. You know, you don't oh, know sure. what, what's kind of the number one complaints like you usually hear back. I shouldn't say complaints, but issues maybe people have doing it themselves where they, they go wrong. Oh, sure. Well, you know, probably the number one reason for someone to contact us about the recipes would be how do I incorporate some of the steps you're calling for into my brewing system? Uh, Plenty and Legacy um, is a good example of that. Cause it uses a, a lot of newer techniques, especially in the hopping, um, that people may not have seen before. Um, challenges like how do I fit six ounces of hops into one fermenter and then still get a clear wort out of it. Um, and there's plenty of little tricks, and with all the different systems that people have, you know, size of the blue kettle, what style fermenter, there are different ways to get around that and different approaches. <clears throat> and that's kind of the challenging part is that it's a sum of all the parts being greater than each individual. So, you know, <laughs> I talk to a lot of people who have some crazy ideas about how they brew their beer um, and trying to, to help them make that recipe, you know, based on that um, is definitely the number one uh, contact. You know, from there, it all comes down to um, fresh ingredients. We pride ourselves on that. Um, so each kid is made fresh, um, and that really guarantees the success, you know. As long as the rest the ingredients are fresh and keep the temperatures right, you'll get awesome beer. Um, just a matter of getting there, and, and that's what we're here for. Yeah. Well, now, one of the other things, and it calls for it in the, in the kit, and I want to get, I know you guys call for it, but on, on the whole secondary fermentation thing, Mm -hmm. I know there's been kind of some pushback, some people, and I'll, I'll say it right now, I'll put myself out there. I don't really do secondary fermentation when I do it because the few times okay. I did, I wound up having some issues uh, just kind of going off, something getting funky in there. And I know some, uh, like I know Jamil chef is one who has kind of stopped doing a lot of secondary. Is, sure. is that something that's an absolute necessity, do you feel, or is there you know ways around that? Well, it's definitely not a necessity, and there's definitely ways around it for sure. Um, we recommend secondaries because it comes back to that guarantee, you know, uh, a secondary can help you make better beer, um, whether that's um, kind of intangible and you don't notice the difference. Um, and there are definitely ways you can um, influence your brewing process where a secondary may not be necessary. The real trick there comes back to uh, healthy yeast. Um, we've always been uh, big supporters of yeast starters. Um, helps you build, build stronger, healthier cells um, and more of them. And when you leave your beer in primary longer, you need to make sure the yeast can survive and don't end up producing like some soapy flavors. Um, that's due to autolysis, which is the yeast dying and basically spewing a bunch of crap into your beer, which doesn't taste very good. Mm -hmm. That's the main thing, you know, that and a, a careful siphon um, and attention to detail. Um, the secondary, you know, it's been an ongoing thing for in the industry for a long time. Basically, the idea is it gives you a chance to help drop more sediment, um, producing clearer beer. And the, uh, the closed neck of a carboy gives a much safer environment uh, to store the beer. So, you know, if you get busy and you can't transfer the beer for a month, the beer will probably be fine sitting in that carboy, um, protected from oxygen. So, definitely will benefit beer with proper mm. cleaning and sanitation, uh, but definitely not a necessity. Uh, we just have to pay attention to the details and Coming back to your system, you know, whatever works for you, um, you can make it work um, without a secondary. So if that's how you like to do it, you just have to be mindful of some of those things. Uh, the number one thing I would recommend is making sure that you have as much healthy yeast as possible. Yeah, that, that could be my issue is the whole paying attention thing, uh, you know. <laughs> right. Well, if you're getting funky flavors, it might just be sanitation. You know, yeah. a friend of mine um, opened a brewery 
Um, one of my friends I started brewing with, they, they opened a brewery uh, a couple years ago doing pretty well. But before that, they ferment everything in plastic buckets and would never do a secondary. Everything from a pale ale to a, to an old ale, up in 10% alcohol. Um, they made some great beer that way, um, mainly just because they uh, didn't want to risk contamination in their beer. Mm-hmm. With proper sanitation, um, clean parts, um, you can avoid that. One of the other things that's interesting as you're building these kits, I mean, you know, there's always you're relying on some crops and you can have hop shortages and, and issues oh, sure. like that. How do you go about like adjusting some of these kits that you've put together using these specific hops to, to get a, a taste? Like, how do you go about trying to figure out what you're going to replace them with? Oh, sure. Well, again, it comes back down to flavor and some test batches. Um, for the Plinian Legacy, um, it relies on Simcoe, which is a uh, kind of hard to get hot sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's only a couple farms that make it right now. Um, and when there's a shortage, there's really not a lot of options because it's a really unique hop. It's primarily described as tiny, but it has a lot of other subtleties, um, lots of really good oils to go into the beer. Um, so for that one, when we were faced with the shortage, um, which it seems like happens just about every year, we uh, went to the drawing board, pulled a couple hops that had some similar um, oils to contribute and flavors, and just kind of blended them and tried a couple different uh, combinations until we got a result, which uh, still produced uh, roughly the same beer. Um, <clears throat> I don't think I've actually brewed the beer with but brewing it with the Simply Select came pretty close in my eyes to the commercial version. Yeah, that's what I was going to, because I, I, had, I had done a, a version of this before with Simcoe. I noticed that you had the Simply Select. That's what kind of made me think about that was just that change mm-hmm. of hops, like what, what you were going for. I don't know if it was more, you know, looking at the alpha acids or how much of that really mattered. It was more just flavor. Yeah, because it's all late hop additions, so we're not really looking at significant bitterness contributions. It was mainly uh, based on flavor. Um, and, you know, hops produce, give a lot of effects in the final beer, mm-hmm. um, and mouthfeel is a big one, which comes back to those oils. Um, so the hops we had to use would have to have, you know, similar contributions all across the board, everything from the mouthfeel contributions um, to the flavor, which is the, the main thing people look for. So now if someone's out there and they're just getting an idea of this, what are kind of the... for? The novice, what are kind of the basic needs, like the necessities to, to really start homebrewing right away? Oh, sure. Well, you know, it's about that simple with a well-stocked kitchen. All you need is a pot that's big enough. you got to be able to hold about two to three gallons boiling. It's roughly a five-gallon kettle. Um, and then you need the fermenters and the tools to transfer it um, <clears throat> from vessel to vessel. Um, even if you don't do a secondary, you still have to transfer it over into a bottling bucket, probably. <clears throat> um, and then, you know, a capper and caps. So uh, if you look at our starter kits online, um, definitely a great resource there. If you're looking to get started, it has all the necessity there. Um, it's really just uh, something to boil the liquid in um, and then a fermenter to hold it um, and then the ability to package it, whether that's in bottles or I highly recommend kegs. Nah, well, I, that's, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about that at some point to get into the keg thing because then you have to wind up having <laughs> some place to store it, which is would be nice because the bottling, oh, God. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> yeah, definitely. You know, I bottled for like probably three years before I finally uh, uh, got out of an apartment and was able to buy kegs yeah. and realized that it's just that much easier and there's nothing like having fresh homebrew beer on draft in your own house. Yeah, oh, yeah, definitely. So, do, yeah, for sure. Do you have a personal <laughs> favorite style that you enjoy brewing as you're putting kits together? Um, God, well, you know, I've been doing this for a while. Um, craft beer has been a big part of my life for a long time. I've been a manager at a liquor store for years, which means that I have to uh, try everything, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which means that uh, it's kind of annoying because I can never just, like, buy that same old six-pack or brew that same batch over and over again because I've always got to try something new. You're that guy that's like, oh, I had that before. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, I started out with brown ales um, and rye-based ales. Um there's a lot of great flavors you can get out of there. I like being sessionable. You know, I like to have, you know, multiple pints uh, throughout the day and high ABV. I might not be able to do that uh, and still be standing. <laughs> um, went through my IPA craze for sure. Um, now I've just kind of settled into just about everything. Um, right now I've got a sour Belgian wit in my hand and um, got an American brown ale on tap too. So I try everything. So do you, do you like playing with yeast more? Is that kind of your favorite ingredient to play around with a little bit? Oh, well, yeah, it's definitely the most important ingredient in beer. You can make, you know, follow the exact same recipe but add a different yeast, and it completely mm-hmm. changes the beer that you make. So 
definitely the most important ingredient. Um, and definitely goes back into what got me into home, home brewing. Um, I was getting my degree in uh, microbiology from a local university, and so I was always really interested in uh, the effects of microbes. Um, specifically, I was looking at um, the food industry, things like how to safely prepare foods, and I just realized, hey, well, I can take the same information and uh, it results in one of my favorite things of all time, which is a delicious uh, craft beer. <laughs> Combine two loves and you'll, you'll never work again. <laughs> exactly right. Or you'll just work really hard for not a lot of money, but at least you'll enjoy every minute of it. <laughs> there you go. There's always a win. There's yep. always an upside somewhere. So with yep. doing that, like going through the yeast, I mean, that, that's a real growing area. Like, do you do you see like new trends coming along? Is that something you're paying attention to? Because I mean, that that's really where a lot of people started to focus. I mean, besides the hops, obviously, but you see a lot sure. more yeast coming. I mean, especially going back historically when it was just <clears throat> crap dried yeast thrown into a little thing that people were brewing with. Right, sure. Yeah, you buy a can of pre-hopped liquid malt extract, and mm-hmm. it comes with a little dry packet of some standard yeast, um, and they call it, you know. They call it American light. They call it Mexican style cerveza, but it's all the same yeast. So, in my opinion, it's really just about the same beer. Um, as far as trends, you know, there's a whole bunch of new um, yeast producing companies uh, coming out. For the longest time, we've had Y Yeast and White Labs, which both do amazing work and have the biggest portfolios for liquid yeast. Up there, we got smaller companies like the Yeast Bay, um, and their name is uh, uh, escaping me at the moment, but um, an all organic yeast company out west oh, wow. that actually makes our product our new product, Fast Pitch, uh, which is canned starter wort in a can. Um, <clears throat> so definitely um, trends are looking for more variation, more different yeast strains available, whether that's you know, from commercial beers or um, just uh, some homebrewers' favorite strains that they've been propagating. Um, and also uh, more variation in dry yeast. Um, that's the main drawback to dry, dry yeast, that there's not as many options. You know, if you yeah. want an English ale, you've got two options <laughs> but nowadays they're coming out with all kinds of dry strains for you know faison specialty belgian style um that you not be able to do a dry yeast or at least not get a very good beer from um and now they're they're really pushing for even more yeast available in all different forms so it's actually a really exciting time and um it's hard to keep up with all the different strains coming out so you know what they make oh yeah absolutely i'm sure mm-hmm. is this leading to do you guys have any new kits kind of plan coming up that you know of right now off the top of your head? Well, really the only ones I know about are the ones that get released because okay. um, the brewmasters that specifically build the kits. Um, I'm more of a customer service brewmaster. <laughs> I'm the guy you get on the phones making customers happy and helping to make the best beer. Well, we've got a, a team of really great guys that work on all different products, including our beer. Um, so the, uh, I think one of the most recent ones was... Um, let's see, Mutt's Nuts Brown Porter. Um classic English porter, um, nice and malty and roasty. Um, that one utilized a White Lab's private collection, the East Midland strain, um, which is a real nice dry English yeast, which uh, most of the English yeast are going to be uh, more malt-forward and a little sweeter. Mm-hmm. So that's a pretty cool kit that I highly recommend people uh, that like the maltier side to check out. Um, just released uh, the Luckiest Man Pale Ale. Uh, based on Lou Gehrig's famous speech, um, and $10 from every kit goes to the ALS fund. Um, and that one utilizes an experimental hop. Um, HBC 438, I think is what the number was. Um, a real unique hop, which um, is really only available to homebrewers. Homebrewers actually have the chance to get these new ingredients that um, are on such a small scale that no commercial brewery can, uh, can get the contract for. So um, it's a pretty exciting time to, to look out for those. Those are a couple that I think just came out. Well, now, we have uh, the, the Plinian Legacy. Now, as you're going through, I mean, this is kind of a, a well-known beer this is based on. Uh, what was, like, some of the challenges as you're putting that out because of it being so well-known? Was that an issue, like, you really, right out of the gate, had to make sure it was just completely there? Because, I mean, it's also a well-known homebrew recipe as well. Yeah, for sure. Well, yeah, the recipe's been available for a long time, and a lot of homebrewers have poured countless hours into trying to reproduce that beer. It's uh, what the craft beer community would call a whale. Yeah. Um, hard to get <laughs> beer that's always thought after, just like Ahab, um, searching for that white whale. So, <clears throat> um, definitely um, a challenge, that's for sure. Um, but not without it, the help from the whole community as a whole. Yeah. Um, and really the whole, the whole goal there is just to make it a palatable beer, uh, beer that gets pretty close to the, uh, the end 
itself. It's just on the West Coast and doesn't go much farther than that. Um, I personally have never actually even tried the, the commercial beer, read all about it, um, but it doesn't make it out to Minnesota. So um, a lot of people maybe haven't even had the beer and just heard about it, and our goal is to exceed their expectations in the homebrew version, um, which, you know, a fresh IPA really just says it all for itself. Um, anybody on the on the in the Midwest, the East Coast has probably had plenty, um, but after a couple of months and those uh, those volatile, sensitive hop aromatics can definitely be great over time. So, um, <clears throat> anybody who's had it, I recommend trying the homebrew version because it's going to be a lot fresher. Now, you you're talking about um, actually breaking down the taste of a beer, like and then brewing it. Are you guys going as far as just drinking the beer and picking it apart that way, or do you actually dive into actual, like, chemical analysis of a beer? Um, no, it doesn't really get that far. That's a lot more expensive. Um, uh, you know, the work that our brewmasters do in product development, I'm actually really amazed at the things we will look at. Um, but when it comes to actually analyzing a beer, that's something that, um, especially with the sensitive hop aromas, that's something that even the top scientists can't figure out. It's just such a complex interaction. It comes down to every part of the beer, whether it's filtered or not. Um, the yeast yeah. will act on the hop oils to change them. So with yeast not filtered out, you might get grapefruit flavors. Or with yeast filtered out, you might get grapefruit. Um, but with the yeast in there, you might get more of like a floral geranium flavor. Um, so for analyzing the beers, it comes down to... Basically the same process that we uh, use in a beer judging competition. Um, we've got a grandmaster beer judge on staff, um, and most of us, um, Northern Brewer encourages us and reimburses us the fees to get um, certified as beer judges. And that just uh, comes down to looking at each part individually and then putting that all together into the overall impression of what the beer actually is. So um, the basic process there is you pour the beer, give a quick smell to get the aromatics that are very fleeting, um, then look at color and clarity, um, look at flavor and a final note on mouthfeel. Then you put that all in together into what makes that beer great. Which is really the amazing part is that <clears throat> you can have beers that are solidly made, got everything right, got some good flavors, but there just might not be something amazing about it. There are these yeah. tangible things that will really influence it. That's something that the Finney the Elder commercial beer definitely has and why it's been so sought after and so popular. Um, and I feel that our kit um, does that as well. You know, uh, a lot of people, the reviews say best beer ever made. Can't believe how amazing this beer is. So, yeah, whatever you guys are doing, you're, you're absolutely killing mm -hmm. it. It's great. And it's great too having those recipes because it's just as long as you are clean, you create this great beer that you guys intended it to be. Like you, what you made for the recipe right. to taste like, it comes out as long as you follow that and you're clean, which is another big part. Right? Of it. Yeah. But uh, comes down to sanitation and then just follow the instructions. It may oh, not okay. seem obvious why it, it recommends doing some things, but uh, we're confident the end result's worth it. Yeah, definitely. It's it's nailed uh -huh. on. We've, we've all had Pliny, and it's, it's nailed on. So you're doing very well, and uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to give us a call, James. But we uh, and since it's live radio, we always have commercials, oh, sure. which is fun. <laughs> but uh, I really appreciate it, and we will talk to you again at some point soon. But thank you so much, sir, and you have a great yeah, rest absolutely. of your weekend. Thank you, Derek. Cheers, you brother. Bye-bye. All right, so got into some home brewing. Now, if that kind of whetted your whistle, we'll say, uh, we are going to now have from Northern Brewer. Now, this is an Internet thing, so you can order it online and have it sent to you. So if you're lazy and sitting at home, you can just sit there and wait for it to come. Uh, we're going to be giving away a $50 gift card from Northern Brewer to the fifth caller. So if you want to give us a call, 1-800-437-0098 uh, or 583-570-8830098. Give one of those numbers a call. Uh, fifth caller, you get a $50 gift card from Northern Brewer, and you can brew your own beer. And Fantastic. love it. Yeah. That's an, you're going to get a good amount for 50 bucks too. So 1-800-437-0098-570-883-0098. Give us a call. And uh, we'll be back here on the Beer Geeks. W-Y-L-K. Think you're fat? You might just be bloated. Find out by calling now for a free trial of New Biotics, the new breakthrough that flattens bloated bellies fast. For a free trial, call 1-800-700-6757. I used to be plagued by pot belly and constant bloating. After taking New Biotics, my belly flattened and continues to get flatter. My sense of bloating and discomfort is gone. If you've got a big belly, you might not be fat. You might just be bloated. New Biotics is scientifically formulated with natural ingredients to flatten bloated bellies fast by cleansing pounds of rotting food and toxic sludge from your body. It even combats periodic heartburn and acid reflux. So just think how much better you'll look and feel. Think you might be bloated? Call now for a free trial of New Biotics and see how much flatter it makes your belly. 
You might be surprised, but hurry, call now for details while these free trials last. 1-800-700-6757. That's 1-800-700-6757. 1-800-700-6757. Every checking account from First National Bank comes with the latest technology, like mobile check deposit, Apple Pay, online bill pay, and pop money, plus your choice of nearly 300 branches. It's the best in clicks and bricks. Visit fnb-online.com. Member FDIC. Gallagher returns. Kirby Center on Friday, November 6th. Gallagher, Artie Fletcher, and Bob Nelson. Tickets $45 and $55. Kirby Box Office. Ticketmaster. Rittenhouse Entertainment. Remembering Sinatra 100 years. Oyster event in Genetti's Grand Ballroom. Friday, October 2nd. Sinatra sounds by Chris DiMatteo and the 18-piece Brass and Ivy Orchestra. Plus King Henry. Featuring Italian food with a chef-attended pasta to order station. Friday, October 2nd. $49. Call 820-8505. Gallagher returns with his smashing collection. Kirby Center on Friday, November 6th. I've got bad news for those saving for retirement. If you're only getting a 10% return on your money, you're missing out on piles of money that you should be making. Hi, I'm Chad Stubbs, president and CEO of PowerTrader, and I'm here to prove that you can do better, much better. To prove it, I'm giving everyone who calls in the next 10 minutes an absolutely free trial of our proven online trading program, the PowerTrader Edge. Call 1-800-400-5401. Can you imagine doubling or even tripling what you're making in the market? The PowerTrader Edge gives you an almost unfair advantage. It's made over 10,000 investors millions of dollars, and it's so simple, anyone can use it. I've used PowerTrader Edge for four months, and in that four months, I made $19,738. Stop missing out on all that extra money you should be making. Call now for your free trial of PowerTrader Edge. But hurry, call in the next 10 minutes. 1-800-400-5401. That's 1-800-400-5401. Ah, the good times. Pouring some more homebrew on a Sunday. Uh, Phones lit up, so our winner, congratulations. You are going to be able to start brewing some really good beer yourself. And his name is Steve. Oh. And uh, he's going to be able to start brewing his own beer himself. So cheers to you, sir. Hopefully this is either uh, the launch on a very uh, fun hobby that, you know, might lead to some arguments with people, which is always fun to hear about. The uh, other ones living at home that... It kind of takes over rooms. We'll just put it that way. Or it might be like me where you get in the middle of it and you get overwhelmed and you start throwing stuff. (laughs) There you go. Either way, you're going to have a good time. That's what it's all about. And uh, you get to have your own beer and you can claim that it's your own. Uh, And speaking of your own, we we have Nate in the studio with us. Now, Nate's been on before a while ago. Thanks for having me back. And uh, he has his petite saison with them. And it's 4%, which is nice. So, Nate, if you want to talk about this one a little bit. Yeah, basically with this beer, I was just going for something... uh, you know, in the true true saison farmhouse kind of tradition, just putting together a nice nice summer beer that was going to be uh, easy drinking and that just had like ingredients available to me. So I just went in the fridge and oh, I'll steal some oats, take some uh, some rye, and uh, you know, I really like that grainy flavor you get in a lot of saison. So I was really trying to emphasize uh, that, and also I used a. Um, uh, the farmhouse strain from Y yeast, which unfortunately is only available during the summer months. It's one of their platinum. I think it's thirty-seven uh, twenty-five, but uh, it's one of their platinum strains. They only put it out in the summer months, so I was trying to take advantage of uh, uh, you know that availability. But just a, on a homebrew angle, the reason I tried to brew this beer at this time of year is because of the temperatures. I always try and brew with the season, so saisons are really good. A lot of people, I find that the trouble they have with saisons is they don't push the yeast enough. They, you really need to have like some kind of temperature control or keep it really warm. Saisons mm-hmm. need to be fermented, you know, se- you know, high seventies, eighties. I mean, some people even go into the nineties. Yeah, and uh, so you know, this beer started at seventy two and just cranked it up from there, you know. Uh, and, did, uh, did you temperature control bring it yep. up? Or did, okay, yep. temperature I don't know if it was Because yep. another one, this is another style people like to let it ride even. They'll just stick it somewhere where it gets a little warm and just let it go. Yeah, you, you can definitely do that. I mean, uh, right when I finished brewing this beer, we were just starting to get a little bit of swing. Like, the nights were just starting to get a little mm-hmm. bit cooler. So, uh, but no, I, I ferment in my basement typically, so it's pretty solid ambient temperature. And then I just use... You know, uh, a sensor that I built and some some reptile tape. <laughs> yeah, 
Nice. Now it's getting colder out. What do you got in the books right now? What do you? What do you? I actually just did another thirty gallons of saison okay. on my big system, and uh, I did that was like even warmer. I fermented that between started in like seventy seven and took it all the way up to eighty eight, wow. and uh, that's a little bit stronger. Uh, this is four percent. The one we're drinking now, that one is more about five percent. So. Uh, yeah, but I just wanted to make a really nice summer drinking, you know, a sessionable summer, you know, saison. Yeah. No, it's, and it's really, I mean, at 4%, too, it's really easy drinking, but still got somewhat of a body to it, which is nice. Because a lot of times, you'll, when you get down that low, we've had, and we've done, we've talked about it on here before a couple of times, it just kind of gets a little too thin and just is like water and, you know, basically hop water. Cause that's usually where you get a lot of session IPA is going down in that category. Yeah, yeah a, lot of, yeah. a lot of people go IPA for summer beers. I'm more of a saison guy. Yeah. I'm a, I come from... I love Belgian beers. That's where I come from. So just gonna, it works. You for came me. from Belgium? Yeah. I, I thought you were New, 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 New Jersey. They, they, they shipped me in a box. Uh, I'm with ago. you, man, though. I, I definitely have, especially recently, I've been crazy, craving a lot of the, the Belgian stuff. Just so refreshing. And, uh, you know, with this recipe, that's why I did put flaked oats and flaked rye in there because a little body you want, yeah, and I actually put a pound of honey in, too, just yeah. to, to dry it out, you know. So these beers, it's all about, you know, the balance. You're trying to make a really nice dry beer, but something that's still sessionable and tasty and, yeah. And there's, there's a lot, like, this is another style that is really good to experiment with, too. It's it's relatively, as long as you're sanitary, which, I mean, anything, we'll say that flat out, any beer you're going to do need to be sanitary if you're doing home brewing, because once you lose that, then, you know, you're kind of out the window with anything else that's going to come around. But it's a really good one to experiment with in a home brewing. Like, you know, the IPA is another easy one, but Saison, because, I mean, really, you're just letting, as long as you can get the yeast and get those temperatures right, then you can really do whatever you want with that one. Yeah, if, but small enough, too. If, you don't, yeah. if you're not on point, then you can go sideways pretty quick. <laughs> oh, that, too, yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right, we're, we have an experimental one. If you guys want to start cracking these, I don't know what one you want to do first. With uh, If you guys want to talk about what you do, this is a really uh, interesting experiment that you guys did at the Homebrewers Club. Well, what what we did was we were we were sitting around this summer and you know in preparation for the cooler weather coming, uh, we decided we were going to take a twenty gallon batch of stout and split it four ways and do four different things with it and let it age a little bit and get together maybe October November and taste them and do a comparison. So, uh, well, they haven't quite aged as as long as we yeah. thought we were going because we had the opportunity to come here and talk about it today. So what we've got is. Four different stouts. Um, one of them is is aged with blueberry and vanilla and uh, some uh, bourbon soaked oak chips. Uh, we've got one of them that's just purely bourbon soaked oak chips. Um, we've got one that's raspberry and vanilla beans, and then the fourth one we did with uh, peanut butter and chocolate. Okay, so, and the one we're, we're doing yeah. right now is the one with the blueberries, correct? Right. Yeah. Okay. okay. So, the blue, so this, this was just blueberries? Is that what you said was in this one? This one was uh, blueberries, vanilla beans, and bourbon-soaked oak chips. I get and the vanilla coming through a lot tonight. Oak. A lot yeah. of oak. Mm-hmm. Like a freshly shaved, like, ton of oak. That's a good thing. I love oak. What was the ABV on this um, one before you guys threw they it? All c- what we did was uh, we secondaried for all okay. our adjuncts. So, um... The base beer came in at 6.6. Obviously, the ones that added fruit fermented again, added a little bit. But um, this beer actually started as a milk stout. Um, I brewed it for the Backyard Ale House contest last year. Okay. Um, And what we did was I've brewed that four or five times since then, changed the recipe a little bit, and we took out the lactose and then did our own thing. Nice. Nice. And then... This is a, say it again, blueberry and what else? Blueberry, vanilla beans, and bourbon soaked oak chips. Yeah, nice. So, how long have they been sitting in in each thing? Like, about a month? Is that where they've been? Uh, Yeah, I've had mine kegged, I think, about a month now. Okay. Nice. No, it's still, I mean, the flavors are, it's nice because it's coming through. And this is the one thing that's fun you can do with homebrewing that you really don't get to do buying a beer that's on a shelf. They've already done that for you. Like, you can kind of play with these things and, like I said, split the batch. What did you say? It was a 20 gallon batch to start yeah, with? It was 20 gallons split four ways. Yeah. Yep. And you can kind of just take that and play with it, which is a really great thing to do and, and just see. Because sometimes you might have a thought, and we've all had beers like that, like, oh, this flavor might go well with this base beer. And then you try it and it, they completely conflict. and uh, Or the, you know, the lovely. Spice beers that some people do that, oh. yeah. yeah, they're they're just less than enjoyable sometimes, and they become. Uh, I love after ever seeing Garrett Oliver when he called in the the whole challenge beer thing because that seems to be what a lot of people tend to do with some of this stuff. Take it and kind of go a little overboard, but these are nice because it's really subtle in the background and just melts into the the base beer a lot. Yeah, 
we're ripping into the second one now. Yeah, because of time constraints. Obviously, oh, yeah. we're just going hard and fast now. <laughs> so and what, this is the second one here. This is which one? Just the straight up bourbon. This this one's going to be the chocolate and peanut butter version. Chocolate and peanut butter. Okay. Now is this uh, PB two? It is. There's 13 and a half ounces of PB two and eight ounces of chocolate cocoa powder in a five gallon batch. So oh, what I did was after yeah. the after the fermentation was complete, I, I did this in the secondary, and, and of course there's no sugar in either one of those, so it didn't cause any more yeah. fermentation. So I just let it age on it for a while. Well, the peanut butter comes through really nice; like it's it's not. I'm getting a lot of peanut butter in the nose and a little yeah. more chocolate in the mouth. Yeah. Still peanut butter, but yeah, it's cool. No, it's definitely. I mean, you see a lot more uh, breweries getting into doing the peanut butter thing. I mean, the one everyone knows is Sweet Baby Jesus, but there's a lot getting into incorporating that in. And PB2 works really well with a lot of the stuff. That's the one most common because if you haven't really done any brewing, uh, you don't want to put peanut butter in. Uh, no. It, yeah. <laughs> just, no. Pretty oily. Yeah, you, you don't want to. What that's going to wind up with, you you don't want to drink it. Uh, you might not even want to look at it because it kind of <laughs> looks a little. Kind of curious to taste uh, the milk stout version of this because I can see how lactose would make this. Uh pretty damn cool yeah um i think i did end up winning winning that competition so you think oh. yeah i think he's got a little brag humble going on no it's called, that's called a humble brag by I the way think i think i, I won. kind of sort of won and dominated i think i got a gold in that i don't, I don't know i'm just i may have won my category and the whole thing i'm not sure <laughs> Maybe yeah, I don't know. Well, it's like it, it's nice because you can see that the base beer is still there, but this that like the, the flavors just completely change the base beer almost the way it is because they're playing off each other so much. Now, what, what are we passing around? This what's the third one now? Oh, this we're really the raspberry vanilla coming around. We're ripping through these. This is nice. Well, yeah. Oh, I know. It's, we it's, we got to rip through them if we're going to get to them. But this, it's nice. I don't. Nose in this. There's so much raspberry in this. Is there a, now? For was it and fresh raspberries? Just put right into this. It was frozen raspberries. Okay. Yeah, a lot of berry. Nice touch of vanilla. Not overpowering. Doesn't taste like sometimes when people do a lot of vanilla, it ends up coming almost like extract. Not like extract brewing, like actual vanilla. That, extract that was my bean. next thing. Was it like yeah. fresh vanilla bean put in? Yeah. What he did was he took uh, six vanilla beans, chopped them up, and uh, he put that along with the raspberries into a glass jar, and, and then steeped that in boiling water to kind of sanitize it yeah. and get the flavors to melt. And then he just dumped all that right into the secondary. Nice. Yeah. And that's another flavor too, like vanilla bean. Like you kind of have to be a little reserved with that because that's another one. Like with any spices. I mean, that's like, you know, like right now with pumpkin beer is all the rage. But um, any of those spices, once you start putting spice into a beer, you kind of have to know what you're doing a little bit because they can take off on you and then all of a sudden that's that's all you're getting. Yeah. And it's kind of to have that. And it's nice to have the raspberry playoff because it dries it out a little bit too. Well, it's, you know, balance is key, man. Mm-hmm. It's that's very easy thing. to go overboard with yeah. spicing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, and if you're doing anything on a homebrew level, it's always better to go much smaller because if, if you... If it's not coming through enough for you, like you wanted more presence of whatever the spice is, it's easier to dial it up than to dial it back. Because once you go over, you're kind of figuring out that you wind up doing a lot more rebrewing, trying to figure out how much to take out instead of going inch by inch forward and putting back in. And like um, you're talking with um, um, Home Brewer, the Northern Brewer, and everybody else, I mean... The one thing, sis. No, yes, everybody, everybody else. Here, we've mentioned it a bunch of times, but having stress is sanit- sanitation. Yeah, man. I that, mean, you don't. It's kind of redundant, but you just no. You that's, can't say that. That's enough, always you know? the, the first key with with any kind of home brewing thing. Like you need to understand that everything must be sanitized because if you don't have that down packed, then any experimental thing that you're going to try doing. It is for nothing. Nobody basically. knows heartbreak like spoiled sour beer. beers. Yeah. If you, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's another whole. Yeah, I, I just want to say cleaned and sanitized. Yes. Two step process yes. there. Yeah, there's a lot to that. That's the base thing to understand that process, and then work on building your recipes and everything like that. Because that's just where it's it's basically like the fundamentals. Like if you play music, you got to learn the fundamentals. It's the same thing with brewing beer. Like you got to learn those fundamentals. We were over. Uh, my buddy Joe's doing this. Uh, he wanted to do uh, old ale. You've got a yeast. Where our, our favorite beers is Thomas Hardy. They don't make it anymore. And he found a yeast that was very similar to what Thomas Hardy was and brewed two batches. And everything was clean. Um, but his dad, <laughs> like his father thing. has um, bees. And there, a bee must have, like, jumped on the, uh, on the lid of the fermenter when we were going to cap it and didn't see it. And then, like, go to crack it open. And the first thing you see is just a bee floating around. You're like, oh, oh my God. <laughs> You're like, No. 
Oh, it's the worst. It could have been much worse. I mean, you hear like the the brewing stories of uh, yeah uh, uh, dropping your class carboy down the stairs heartbreak. or things like that. Oh, yeah, it, at least it wasn't that bad. You don't have to clean up a mess after. So we, do we have one more of these? Is that what we have? Yeah, we got one. We got one more. That's always a good thing to hear. One more. This no, one's it's, just it's a, a good, straight bourbon. It's a straight good bourbon. and a bad okay. thing. It's like, one more? We have one more, and it's like, only one more? <laughs> it's it's all lot, donation. It's all donation. a lot of bottles in here. Yeah. Oh, sure yeah. There's only one more? <laughs> <laughs> we, have, we have a lot going on today. All right, so this is just straight bourbon added into the, the base now. Okay, so bourbon soaked oak chips in this one. Who uh, did this one? It's Chris, over there in the corner. Did you char the chips? No, I bought uh, French, uh, medium charred French oak chips. Oh, okay. There's a decent amount of char in this sucker. Yeah, oh, I yeah. think I added way too much. I don't care for this one. Added what, too much chips, you're saying? Mm-hmm. It, it definitely, it's there. It's, it's. I don't oh, think it's like too, I, but this is, you know, this would be one that would be nice to see where this goes a little bit, because as that drops out, it would just be more of a background note. It's very much like right there in the front and center. This one's my favorite. Just because the, the, I feel like the, all that char goes with like the roastiness yes. of the of the. It malt, almost right? it almost makes it like spicy kind of. Yeah, like that's it. Almost kind of gets like this like spiciness coming through a little Those bit. Those tannins yeah. will get you, baby. Yeah, that's that's kind of what it doesn't seem. I don't think it's too much. It just that's where it comes through. It kind of makes it almost a little spicy to me. But it's, it's definitely. But it'd be nice to see where this one goes as you let this sit a little bit. And like this has only been what like a month too. Is that yeah? yeah. My plan was to drink this in December. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is it? Best laid plans or yeah. something? <laughs> well, whatever. But no, it, it's a great. And that's another cool thing you can do is you're doing this home brewing, getting into it. Like you can experiment with all these different things. Take a base beer, do we did like split the batches, try all different variants on it, and just see where it goes. And another thing people like to do too is as they brew a beer, as well, we're talking to James, like you know, yeast is a really growing thing. To take a base beer of say a pale ale or something, throw four different yeasts into it, that'll dramatically change. You could do nothing else to it, just throw in four different yeasts. And you'll have four vastly different beers. Well, everybody's always like, "Well, what's the next big trend in beer? What's yeah. the next big trend?" And I, I, I personally think that the next big trend is things. Everything cyclical mm-hmm. is is going to be yeast because a lot of people come into the craft beer. I hate that word, craft beer door, and it's a lot of hop based stuff. And then yeah. they're like, "Wait a minute, you can get flavors from yeast." You yeah. know what I mean? So then you see a lot of Belgian beers, stuff like that, are very yeast driven. I yeah. think that would be uh, the next big one. That, that's where you see a lot of stuff going. Is, is basically larger brewers kind of breaking beers down and, and releasing single hop variant beers and things that they're like I know Almanac has been doing that with some of theirs like we have their citrus sour they now have a Simcoe sour same base beer just throwing different hops into it you're seeing a lot of breweries getting into that really experimenting with a specific beer but uh, God yeah here we go again we're up against it hey, Derek, every week <laughs> I just was going to say real quick for people who are interested in, in home brewing there's a couple great clubs in this area Wyoming Valley Home Brewers Club meets the Sabatini's in Exeter uh, there's a great beer bar there now. We meet every uh, first Monday of the month. That's an awesome club, oldest club in northeastern Pennsylvania. And there's also another great club in Scranton. If you're a Scranton local, Scranton Brewers Guild, they meet at Jack's Draft House. I believe it's the last Wednesday of every year. All right, buddy. We are out. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs>